بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله واصحابه اجمعين اللهم لا سهل الا ما جعلته سهلا وانت تجل الحزن اذا شئت سهلا اللهم اعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته to wednesday the 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 4th of april of course right so, um, text. It is a sunnah, the Shaykh says, to stand when Qad is said from the Iqamah, says our author Imam al Hajjawi, alayhi rahmatullah, from Zad al Mustaqni'ah. It is a sunnah to stand when Qad is said from the Iqamah, and it is also sunnah to straighten the prayer line. Yeah? And then he says, Allahu Akbar. And we started obviously in the last session speaking about what it means to straighten a prayer line. We're going through some details about exact positioning, but we're now completing the, 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 the complete, as- the holistic aspect of what it means. So um, we did uh, straightening the line, no gaps, first lines first, always move forward to... Uh, uh, I think Sheikh Uthameen makes a statement at the top of page 14. He goes, what kind of Muslim would it be? What kind of insan? Mu'min? Oh. You know, he goes in. What kind of insan mu'min is it that he knows that the Prophet said, That he knows that the Prophet said, You will straighten these lines or Allah will cause difference between yourselves. And he then still doesn't yani, respond. And there are people like that. They don't move for, for nothing. And I always said that that's the real proof of the hadith. Because in the other riwayah, it's بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ And if I'm next to a person where the imam has said, please come forward, please come forward, please come forward, and there's a guy next to me who is now sta- standing 30 centimeters back, not bothered at all to look at his feet, yeah? Or standing forward or standing back. My heart's got rage against that person. Rage. And that's the, the hadith just, just articulated itself and authenticated itself right there. Bam. You know? Um, and, 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 and he says, and, uh, and he goes, and it's, it's also good to mention the hadith of the people. He goes, it's, uh, Sheikh Uthameen goes, Sheikh Uthameen goes, it's also good for us to mention the hadith of the people because it has no basis in the sharia that indeed Allah does not look at a... <laughs> a bent line, okay, asaful uh, awaj, okay, and, is, and he, uh, uh, the reason I laughed is because it is one of the hadith that everyone knows by heart because the khatibs they repeat it all the time in their khutbas. Allah does in Allah la asaful awaj in Allah la asaful awaj. Allah does not look at a bent line. The meaning of this hadith is correct in that this meant to be a cursed reality, okay, and, and of course the one that Allah does not look at is a cursed person. And if you are keeping the line dodgy and bent, then you are definitely a you know, cursed person. It's no doubt about that. But the, you shouldn't say that the Prophet said that because he never did. Okay? He never did. All right. Number four, or the fourth aspect of straightening the lines, is min taswir tasufuf at-taqarub fi ma baynaha wa fi ma baynaha wa bayna al-imam. They've got to be close together. Yani it's a principle in sharia to be close to the imam. And it's a principle in Sharia to keep order. So let's start from the beginning. The Imam is not meant to be, you see some in these, this, again, touristy mosques, isn't it? He takes a position like 20 meters up above. 
yeah, ahead. And the first line starts well behind. Again, Arab mosques mostly. All right? He's got lots of equipment around him sometimes, lots of mics, wires, so they give a lot of space. So he's all the way out there. And, you know, again, it's another example. You know, Sheikh Kehlan absolutely detests and always has, in fairness to him, speakers and mics. Yeah? Big time. Big time. And, um, and the, the, the fiqh of that, the fiqh, is that these things, not only are they new and they cause headache, and he normally, because they're loud and they disturb him, he hates to be disturbed. And you know, when he gets disturbed, he jumps straight onto Facebook and he writes like something next level, right? Or he comes to a, a, a dars and his whole dars is dominated by that, yeah? Whether it's the guy going, ah, you know, that, whatever. Or whether it was, I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, when he was on the bus and some guy stood up and told them, yeah, and he gave them a reminder and Sheikh Yani wrote and destroyed the guy basically, okay? Because he just don't want a reminder. He doesn't want him shouting all the way. He doesn't want to be left alone in, in peace. And about reciting uh, loudly and speakers have been a big yani, thing of his. Anyway, what's happening here? The speakers themselves are introducing issues. If we are justifying the imam to stand five meters ahead because of the audio equipment and speakers and cables that are having to be there to produce A1 Bose uh, sound, yeah, then we're the ones that have caused that problem. And that's unacceptable. That's an example of it. Okay? So we are meant to be close to the Imam. Uh, there's barakah in being close to the Imam. If you study the Sunnah, you will, you know, when uh, some of you guys have attended the class Fitna, the Tafsir Surah Ali Imran. One of the things I mentioned about that surah is that some of the ayat of Surah Ali Imran, رَبَّنَا لَا تُزِغْ قُلُوبَنَا بَعْدِ إِذْ هَدَيْتَنَا وَهَبْ لَنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ رَحْمَةً إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْوَهَابَ Oh Allah, oh our Lord, don't allow our hearts to go astray after you have yani, gifted us guidance. Yeah? And there's some tafsir behind this. Obviously, uh, it has a number of meanings, but one of the applications, of course, is fitna. Yani when Muslims themselves, who are guided, something happens and it causes fitna amongst people. And so they start, you know, leaving the deen. And one of these things, of course, was the Ridda, the war of Ridda, when the tribes that all became Muslim at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they then basically, after he passed away, وسلم, then they just made mass apostasy. Basically, why? They said when he was alive, we followed him, we became Muslim because of him, and not for any other reason, well, not didn't say that, but they said as for zakah, we were giving that to the Prophet And now, we ain't giving zakah to no one. Abu Bakr was the khalif, he was saying that you will give it to me and my collectors, because this is not me who's collecting it, it's the state which is collecting it. And it wasn't the Prophet who was collecting it, it was the state of the Muslims that was collecting it. It's not connected to the body of the Prophet it's connected to Islam, Sharia, the Khalifa. They said no. That's when uh, Abu Bakr made the big shout, big, big shout, big call, where he made takfir on the, the people. And, you know, everyone was like shocked. How can this Yani man do that? He's the most gentle, the most whatever. Because to make a takfir means you have to go to war against these people. Yeah. And Umar was like, Yani, are you, are you, are you, you know, are you, are you serious? Yeah, and Umar is the kind of guy you're expecting to be at the forefront of that shout. But then Abu Bakr said, I will not differentiate between that which Allah does not differentiate. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you establish the prayer and you establish the zakah as well. And so there, there was a war of apostasy, they left Islam, they were killed as apostates, and losses, etc. 
Part of these kind of fitan and political strife, and yes, amongst the companions themselves, lots of issues going on, Aisha issues, Fatima issues, okay, and so on and so forth, and that you can all study and, and read about, and it's known as the fitna, okay, would lead Abu Bakr to regularly make this dua. Not normally though, like you'd make in dua, but he would recite it in salah. He would recite it in salah. There is a narration that's narrated in the Muatta of Mamalik, where one, I think his name was Abu Abdullah As-Sanabihi, one of the Tabi'een, he said that I learned that Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, if I've got it right, or was he narrating from a Tabi'i, that's my memory, forgive me if I get this wrong, but the point is either from Abu Bakr or from one of the other Tabi'een, he took this. He said, I learned this dua from the tongue of X, I think it's Abu Bakr. Because he would recite it at the end of every at the end of every Maghrib prayer whilst he was in Salah. In the third rak'ah. You know, as you only pray Maghrib, you pray two rak'ah with the surah, and then the third one is without surah. Yes? But after he finished Fatiha, he would add, he would repeat these verses like a surah. And he would repeat it. And he said, I heard this from Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. You know what he said? Malik narrates. Narrates that Abu Abdullah, he said, that my thobe was touching the thobe of Abu Bakr. You tell me how that's possible, bro. My thobe was touching the thobe of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. So he's praying behind him. Yet he's that close. Uh, the assassination of Sayyidina Umar. He literally, Abu al-Majusi, yani, he was taking people out. Yani, you know, I want you to understand, he had a dagger, and after he's ripped yani, uh, 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 Umar to shreds, he didn't run around. Yani, it's not a gun, okay? You know, shooting everyone. He had limited space, and he was swiping. Seven, I think 13 he hit. I, I want you to think about this logis- logically. 13 were wounded, 6 passed away, shuhada, yeah? Uh, with this dagger, it was dark obviously, but they had clocked onto him, because, I can't remember who, one of the companions, anyway, they threw the, the, the chadar over him. And when, that, when they had him, and then they, they brought him to the floor, then he stabbed himself, alright? But th- there's not enough time for him to go around, you know, go around here, they were, everyone was close. Um... A hadith that described the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ, they said that we knew he was reciting by the movement of his beard. So we learn things about that. We know that his beard is long. We know that it's a beard that can be seen over the shoulder. We know that people are close to see a beard. We know that the Prophet ﷺ said that you are, not, you are meant to look at yani, the place of sajda when you're in salah, which would indicate that it's in the eye line and yet so close. Yani, the evidences are very clear, you're meant to be close. And forget all of these that I've just mentioned, because everything I've just mentioned are observation from deep study in the Sunnah, secondary evidences. There's a primary evidence as well, the Prophet ﷺ, where did he, he say, uh, uh, I already told you that he said, If the people knew about what the excellence was in giving the adhan and the first soft, then they would come to it even if they had to draw straws. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Get close to me. Let the people of Ahlamun Nuha, let the clever, let the wise, let the experienced people be close to me. Yani, yalini, yani, be very close to me. 
So, what part of maintaining the 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 the, the, the straightening the rows is to have no weird gaps and sending the imam all the way over there. Be close to the imam. What's the distance? Enough for sajda and a little bit. That's what should be in front of you. Basically, what you see in all the masajid. Basically, that's what should be between you and the imam. And between you and the second line. And between you and the third line. I'm telling you now again, Egypt. Classic example of masajid. Actually, not just Egypt. The Arab lands. The Hanafis, again, you know, they they, they, they don't funky enough to do this kind of behavior. Yeah, they keep things regimented. But the Arab lands, you will very commonly see in the normal kind of mosques, these kind of crazy lines. Where there's short lines and then big lines. Even with the absence of pillars. MYF, does it? Yeah, so the pillar thing will allow it to be used as an argument. But we've said before it shouldn't. But will allow it to be an argument. But when there's no pillars, what's the justification for that? It's crazy. But you'll see it. Line, line, gap. Line, line, gap. That's unacceptable. Alright, so that's something which is uh, um, important. Um, so he makes that point, and I want to make that point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, random point. He goes that if there's a person um, who comes to the masjid and the fourth line and all the lines are full, does the hadith of uh, that you would draw straws to get to the first line apply to the third line as well? Because that's his first line? Because it's the line in front of him? The answer is no, because the, the first line is a... Uh, a line which is sought for the sake of it intrinsically because that is indicating someone coming earlier to the masjid and sacrificing more time and being therefore in more ibadah because we know once a person leaves the house they're in their ibadah so obviously someone leaving earlier is increasing their ibadah over some guy who comes late and it's important by the way that you start tying things together you know if you study these things like I'm teaching you right now you'll start to develop viewpoints as opposed to just fiqh understandings so if you understand for example the issue of how important it is to fill up the line, you then automatically understand that the person who gets the message before you is better than you. You get what I'm saying? If you also understand that if you get to a gap, but you are meant to go to fill a gap, not crowd, which you've learned, you've also learned something, another very important lesson. You are not privileged. That you push people aside and say, I've got to get in. Get what I'm saying? You're late. If it was there, fine. If it's too small, tough. You're, you're the one who's out. Go and stand behind. Third thing, it also indicates to you, because now it's, it's like a jigsaw puzzle, so it makes sense. The Prophet ﷺ criticized the people who climb over the people's necks. You heard this phrase before? Climbing over the people's necks is a phrase referring to Jum'ah and crowded things. You know the people who come late? And then they go place hunting. So they look at the back and they work out where's the space. Then they're like, you know, move this aside, move that aside, move this, climbing over. That's the only, hey, I'm sitting here listening, focusing, someone puts me, you know, what the heck? <laughs> so, you know what I'm trying to say? Now, this is not an issue, and here's the point. Now, you have two viewpoints, but if you understood this lesson, you only can have one viewpoint. Now, the two viewpoints would be, you shouldn't do it at all, or, no, that's a gap, we should fill the gap. Yes? But hold on, if you understood what I've said, you've come late. You have no right to the excellence of that gap. And that gap, we will deal with, the imam will deal with, when everyone gets up and he'll say, please move forward. But you're not getting it. And you don't deserve it. So no, don't come in 
and say to a person that is close and uh, 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 press on them and say, move aside, like it's your right. You know, when you look at the Malaysians, one thing that you love about Malaysians is that they understood this issue very, very well. Yeah, they're already a humble people anyway, and they're very polite, whatever. But if you see what happens when they walk between people, they will not walk until you give permission. So first of all, they get their hand, they hold it. It's a cultural thing, all right? They get their hand like this, and they put it down like this, and they, they bend double when they're walking. When they walk, they bend double. So they crouch when they go through the lines, and they bring this hand even, like, whatever, lower, and they indicate, can I just go through there, please? And they will wait until people separate to allow them to... They will never walk over someone. Never. And I mean, even if two people put their elbows like that, they will, their, their shoulders like that, they will wait that I indicate they go ahead, as opposed to the obvious. Adab, Habibi, Adab. Okay, this is just yani, indicating you have no right to be going in and out, in and out. Now, wait. Don't get confused between what a person, he does, and what I do. I, as the believer, I've already told you a hundred times about the hadith the Prophet said, the best of you are those with softest shoulders. As the believers, we should always be looking to make space for people. But we should be looking for them. But as believers, we shouldn't be the people demanding that other people do that. You get what I'm saying? That's the different hats that you wear. If they're not interested in helping you out, well, you know what? Tough. Even if, if it was you, you would. Okay, you're great. But you know what? They're not so great. So don't, Yanni, you, you stay where you are. You pray outside, you pray in the rain. You, you don't deserve it. Okay? But if you're inside, I'm telling you, it's shameful if you're not doing that. When people come, you should bring your shoulder to the side. When people, when you hear someone come in and you make, a, you know, you look and you realize it, then you do the move that would encourage the other person to make the move and a gap is caused. But if you're the one who's just suddenly, no, 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 bro, bro, take it easy. Do you understand the balance, yeah? Yeah? So, Jumai is important when people, Yanni, just assuming they've got the right to come in and do what they want. Well, you've just got this weird situation where actually people prefer being at the back and there are these gaps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're right. You're right that now... But that's the dichotomy of practicing versus non-practicing. The vast majority of the people who don't want to go forward are not practicing people. All right? They're people who came late and they wanted to come late and wanted to... Yeah, not interested and they want to get out of there super quick as well. Or they're the very small minority of people who are genuinely got a reason. You know, like their car's blocking everyone, for example, and they are genuinely late, and if they do come in, then everyone's going to get blocked. That's fine. We're never talking about people who've got genuine reasons. We're talking about the rest who don't want to move. they got, now it's the youth. They are a whole waste of space, Yanni. They are complete. They just sit in their groups of people and they just chat to each other. Then you've got not just youth, but obviously made of youth, and then that millennial and older generation who are on their phones in the khutbah. Mm-hmm. So they just want to be as far as possible from the eye of the khatib and just sit there all the way through the khutbah on their, on, their, on their phones. You know? It's a miserable place, Yani, back there. I tell you, man, I've been there for a long time. <laughs> and I know. And it's important for the imams, the, 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 the people who give khutbah, to just wake up and, 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 and see what the real world is like. And, you know, listen, the blame is all around. The blame is all around. The khatib is yani, sitting there talking about some nonsense and poppycock and giving Yani the one o'clock news. Yani, every, every, every Friday, yeah, telling us about yani, all the countries, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Just tell us something about uh, Allah. Connect to that guy on the phone. Okay? I, I mean, I'm serious. 
I mean, I, I don't like giving khutbah because I'm not great at khutbah. I'm a very poor khatib actually. But I never remember that a person was on his phone when I speak. Because I look at them in the eye. I genuinely bog out people who are on their phone. And I've also called out people who are on their phone. And, but khatibs, yani, they're lame. Rubbish subjects, sending everyone asleep, and they don't do the sunnah of calling people out. It's sunnah to call people out in khutbah. People speaking, people asking, want to ask a question. People not praying. huh? People coming in late. Yani, you know, people not listening. The khatib is meant to help out. Yani, they, you know, they, 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 they turned it yani, into some kind of act of worship that has no uh, parameters. There's lots of flexibility in these parameters to fix the jama'ah, to get people to move around, move in brothers, come closer. Hey, I'm sorry about that if I'm too loud. Whatever. There's a conversation going in. Going on. If an announcement needs to be made, there's a car blocking. We don't need the other guy to come and have to say, you say it yourself. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, culturally people think, as you know, packs especially, especially packs, for them the khutbah is like a salah. And you know, you know, like uh, the Brailvis established this properly and then packs, they follow this. When the first khutbah has been given, the hands are like here. And then the second part of the khutbah, the hands then go for, you know, at the hiyat kind of position, tajahud position. Like they're in two salah zones. So you don't blame them. They, they, they feel like, and how are they to blame when the imam goes, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, kafa, and then he goes into his little praise, and he thinks he's memorized. And he, he says, you know, and oh, Allah be happy with Abu Bakr and, and this, that, and Allah, Allah for Abbas. Allah forgive Abbas. Like Abbas did something. What did Abbas do? What did Abbas do? Allahumma fi al-Abbas maghfiratan wasi'atan Ya'ani may Allah forgive uh, Abbas radiyallahu ta'ala anhu amma nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam What did he do? We've been asking all our lives what he did <laughs> Allah is my favorite question I've been asking him for donkey's ears What did he do? Allah nikassam So people are in that zone And so when the imam is memorizing the khutbah And he's depending upon the bayan Because of course the Hanafis they consider themselves um, they consider, and of course it's a very strong position, that the khutbah is an Arabic act of worship, like salah. So it can only be said in Arabic. Right? So therefore, the, the modern khutbah of English with Arabic in it doesn't cut it for them. So therefore they'll get the people and ask them to come early, and they'll give them a bayan, a little circle, a little lecture, in their own Urdu language. And then they'll start the khutbah formally. So when you make it such a formal ritual act which no one connects with, then that's what you create. You create that problem, no one watching, no one listening, everyone, you know. Then when they hear, yani, yani, you know, the last few words, everyone then suddenly relaxes, oh, I know this, yeah, okay, you should stand up. You know what I'm saying? People turn it into like a, a, an act. Um, so yeah, those are the issues uh, that affect uh, 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 some of that. Um so we should be close to the Imam. We should be close to the Imam. And the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam al Imam fi And that's why the Prophet in the hadith of in the hadith of Ibn uh, the, in the hadith of Abu Dawood in the chapter of At Tahara, Irfan, you should attend class yani more. Yani uh, uh, logic progression instead of calling me during class. May Allah forgive you. So, from Chido, local Yani, and he's calling me Qasim. So, um, in a hadith that's narrated in the chapter of Tahara, the Prophet ﷺ encouraged the people in Jum'ah 
to be close to the Imam. Because, and again, we're not talking speakers, are we? Right? And people hide from the Imam. When, you, when you're close to the Imam, you are, you feel, even if you don't like it, you're under pressure to make yourself look like it, that you like it. And you're closer, you hear everything. Yes. And you are watching in a direct eye line, so you feel everything. There's, there's a fiqh in being close. And that's why the one who becomes closer has come earlier. The one who comes earlier is more rewarded. And not only are they more rewarded, but they'll probably benefit more, even if they had no intention to. Maybe just being close, you get the barakah of the imam. Maybe just being close, you feel the message more. You feel you're being spoken to more directly. These are things that are important. And it's a lost, a lost ill. Another thing which, you know, I make a point of when I'm in Jumu'ah, okay, that people don't do, right, is another lost uh, thing, okay, is actually pointing towards the imam. You are not meant to sit in prayer rows when you're in Jumu'ah. You're meant to point towards the imam. So when you're sitting here and you've got people who are facing that way, that's just the most ridiculous thing ever. He's standing there, Miskeen. And you're looking there. To what? All of you should be turned round, facing this way, looking at the imam. He's speaking to you. Can you imagine you're speaking to someone? I'm speaking to you, Shazad, and you're turned around looking that way. I mean, how stupid is what you're doing? And how stupid must, must I feel? You know what I'm saying? And so it's sunnah. It's actually from the companion that one of their sunnah is to face the imam when the khutbah is being given. So we know that in khutbah, you are encouraged to be close to learn and benefit. So salah is awla. Salah is even more deserving of that. So in the prayer, you should always be encouraged to get forward as close as uh, possible. What does that mean, being as close as possible? That does not mean that you crowd upon the imam, but it means definitely get to the first off and get into the middle. That's what it means. So when you're trying to get to the masjid, get to behind the imam, because the people behind the imam are the best people. They're the ones who are either the huffad and the best yani, qualified to correct the imam if he makes mistake. They're the people who are, if they're not Hufad, they're the most learned to take over from the imam in case he breaks his wudu or there's a mistake. They're the most alert because they are they're the ones who are watching the prayer and in it and the most spiritual, they can feel a mistake, numbers wrong, thingy, whatever. They're on top people. They're levels people. You know what I'm saying? They're the best of you because they're the ones that came an hour before you did to sit behind the imam. So the people who are close to the imam are the best and they deserve it. Right. This is important for you to understand because it's now going to play a very important role in how we determine what happens from the rest of the rules of straightening the rows. Children, sides, left, right. So let's move to the next one in the middle of page 15. He goes, and from number six, from the completion of the rows is that you complete from the right side. Because the right is always the best. So whenever you are going to a row, to a masjid, you go towards the right. But people got to understand this correctly. The right side is not the best in a mutlaq sense, in an unrestricted sense. It means it's the go-to side, not the pack-up side. So you go to it, but then you've got to balance. Because the, the objective behind a prayer line is that it's equal behind the imam, and he's always in the middle. <coughs> so you've always, so you know, it's not like you have this and that. No, you have this. You get what I'm saying? You build on the right, complete on the left. Build on the right, complete on the left. You start so, in the middle. You start in the middle. Yes. The, the first one's going to start in the middle. Then the guy's going to go on the right and then left. And then right and then that's what we mean. And 
It seems Allah A'lam that the evidence is what suggests this is the sunnah. We shouldn't be too strict on this because, yani, I've heard some of the ulama mention some points, yani. But I think this is a good, well-established position in light of the evidences. Um, as long as you understand, yani, that what's more important? Is it to fill up the right or to have an equal line? Always an equal line. Okay? That's the point. Now, um, and that's why it's important for people when they're coming in and they see a line getting out of shape that they grab other people or whatever. Can the imam tell people? Yes. The imam should also look at the line and say, I want a couple of you to go to that side. I want you people go to that side and move people around. Uh, I think give the adhan, huh? You want to give the adhan? Yeah, give the adhan. Yeah, it should start it. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu Okay, so we have two more things which are part of completing the rows. We have to finish this this lesson, okay? Two more things. So the next part of completing the rows is to understand that women are part of the rows. And women being part of our prayer line, okay, has its own specific fiqh. Number one. The completion of the row is only complete perfectly when they are as far away from the men as possible. Okay? That's why Nabi Sallallahu said that the front lines for the women are the worst of the rows and the back lines are the best of the rows. And for the men, the front rows are the best and the back lines at the back are the worst. I've covered this in detail. I don't need to go over this. Yeah, we covered it, I mean, how many months ago in the chapter of whatever the chapter was? What was the chapter? 
We went into huge detail. What was the chapter? What was the chapter? <laughs> Shut up, man. Okay, I can't remember what it, what it was. But anyway, whatever it was, we were doing it in detail, okay? And if you remember, I said that the gap between the last guy and the first woman was virtually nothing. We're talking this much. Do you understand? There was no barrier at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. We're in the same room. And if the man is standing here, the woman is right... I think chapter of Libas. When the man goes to Sajda and, and they see what they see. and Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So, yani, that's why people don't understand. When we said that the women should uh, 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 lift up, no, should go for... Did I say? Delay raising their heads. Delay raising their heads. When the imam's coming up, when we say, Imam goes, Allahu Akbar, standing up for Fatiha, the women stay down. Why? Because when the men are in their state of very little clothes, you can see their genitals. And you might say, how the hell is going to happen? Because they're that close. Literally right in front of you. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said that the worst lines are the front for the women. So, we learn then that the women should be as far back as possible in the masjid. And that is from the completion of the rows. Alright. Um, and... Uh, Yeah, anyway, question, and this is the last point. Is it from the completing of the rows, when we say establish the lines, make the rows straight, is part of that telling the kids to go back? What's the standard practice of the Muslims when it comes to prayer lines? What's standard practice? Men, children, women. Yes? Women either behind something or another room or whatever or in a prayer hall. But children, if you go into any pack mosque or a strict pack mosque, yani, yeah, you'll see the children will be praying behind. Yes, in their own line. What's the idea behind that? That the line is only straight when yani, understanding, intellectual, people of intellect, sane, a post-pubescent people are making up that line. Get the point? And therefore, everyone else is not yani, of the quality to be establishing yani, themselves in that front uh, row. And the fuqaha, you'll see, the, actually the majority of the madahib, they follow this principle. The truth is, there's very little evidence for this. There's very little evidence for it. And I want to read, because I think there's some of the best stuff that's been written... Uh, uh, on this subject in these two pages, what Sheikh Uthameen says, okay? He says, uh, he goes, that the people will follow this opinion to the extent that they will push the, the kids as far back as possible and give them the same uh, line. The basis for this is because the Prophet ﷺ, he said, let those people, let the people of, uh, let the wise and experienced and the older kind of people be close to me. And so for that, they, they took this hadith and they said, because of this hadith, the kids should be back. The kids should be far away. Shaykh Uthameen says, I don't know about that. No, actually, we should say, if the, kids have got, if the kids have come forward to a place, then they, and got to the front, before you have, they, are, they have the greater right to it. 
If a child is in the front row because they came early, they sat down, they waited like everyone else did, then they have the greater right to it. Because of all of the evidences in the Quran and Sunnah that whoever gets to a place, then he is of the greatest right to it. That's with objects, places, positions. That's across the board in the Sharia. Okay? The masajid are the houses of Allah. The slaves of Allah in the house of Allah are all the same. There's no difference between the people, yani whether they're different race, ethnicity, age, this, that, whatever. They all have a right to get what they get to first. And if we were to go along with the opinion that we should remove children from the front line and from a better position, we will then... And what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do. We're going to now start putting them into a place which is basically a, a DOS area. We're going to encourage the dunce line, the kids line, the concept of a line where you can chill and mess about and whatever. How, does that, how is that helping them? How is that protecting them? How is that yani, uh, uh, making sure that they pray correctly and properly? If you've now created a line for them, which is like a, a pseudo line, a, 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 door, a, a door number line. Yeah, It's a door number line that basically only kids are in. Yeah, How is that going to be... Helping them. This is, this is, and then he goes, also we have another problem. He goes, what about a person who comes in late, a man? Does he feel good about coming and standing next to the kids? You know people like that by the way. You see when they come late and the, all the lines are full but only the kids line is empty, is got space. He doesn't want to sit down with the kids. Yet he's the one who supported yani, the idea that the kids should have their own separate line. Where did this idea come from in a sharia that kids have a separate line? It's not from any Qur'an or not from any sunnah. It causes a problem for that person. Yeah? And then what do you find? Is al-rajul So what does a person do? And what about another situation? Where a man comes in and he sees a kid in the line in front, he takes the kid out of the line in salah, and he takes the position of the kid. Now, the kid's a kid, he's not going to complain. He's like, okay, uncle's just pushed me back. Yeah, I need that's uncle behavior. All right, take it. Right? But on what basis did it happen? Yeah, and we want to know the basis, the, 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 the delil. Okay? And then, Sheikh said, also delay, pushing the kids back to their own separate line leads to a few other problems. Al-Mahzur al-Awwal, yani, the first haram thing, that you are establishing is that you are going to lead eventually for the kid to hate the masjid and hate the uncles and hate the people who pray there because they're never considered to be any someone of worth or equal. I came early. I wanted to be close to the imam. I wanted to listen to the imam. I wanted to see the imam. I wanted to enjoy it because I came early and you're putting me back with the kids. And maybe you've got an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old, whatever, who's having to stand next to three-year-olds or whatever. Now you've destroyed him as well, made him feel like a baby too. So you've caused yani, a problem on top of a problem. Second, you will also find that the people themselves will then involve themselves in moving people around and not want to come yani, in that line. And that's another fitna which is caused. Therefore, we say that this is a weak opinion. There is no basis for this opinion that kids should have their own line. Rather, kids, if they line up with the adults, then they should line up with the adults. That way they will learn the prayer. That way their parent will take responsibility for them. That way is the way that they learn. And they learn the adab of what it's like. Also, 
Sheikh Uthaymeen, he made a really nice point. He goes, as for those people who said that the evidence for this is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, let the people of wisdom and knowledge be close to me. That hadith does not mean, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that only the adults should come forward and the kids should go back. It means that if you are any kind of person, then you should aim for that front line. It doesn't mean that let's kick the kids out and let's bring the, uh, 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 the kids uh, you know, out. So listen, this is a very important point. Okay, because uh, we've got Taraweeh coming up as well. In this masjid, so many other masajid, you'll see the same situation will occur. You'll see that the children will not be allowed at all. And uh, yeah, I, I, the old uncles... Okay, maybe they didn't realize this, but our generation, we know fully what happens because we did it when we were young. The, our fathers, they would go to the front, they would tell us go to the back, we'd let the salah start, and then boof, we are out of there. Then we'd go car parks, shops, this, that, flah, flah, flah. We'd time it, come back exactly 50 minutes later, and then we'd come back in, just at, with her time perfect, and then. Look at dad at the front there, just give him the thumbs up. Been there all this time, dad. You know, dad doesn't know Quran, he can't test me or anything, innit? Yeah? What's he going to do? Turn around. What was the surah that you recite? He said, well, you tell me, dad. What's the uncle going to say? He's going to say nothing. So we know that, okay? But we're still carrying on that situation. We're still carrying on that scenario where the kids can't go, whatever. And the truth is, is that if we want children to be the next imams and lead us in salah, we have to be able to develop them in a way where they feel respected, that they know that they, they have a place, that if they come early, then they deserve the front. They need to understand that the front is not for the old people, it's for the big people. The people who deserve to be there, the people who are in the mosque all the time, people who come early all the time, and it gives them something to aim, aim towards. These are the people who then become the next imams. And if we don't establish that, I'm telling you now, we're going to have a crisis when it comes to the children moving forward and establishing yani, themselves in this uh, next generation. If we keep just relegating the kids to the kids' yani, scenario. We don't need to go all crazy and put on crushes and youth clubs and youth games and this and that. You know what these are? You know, to me, and I, I have to say, I'm not a fan of these things. I don't like it. But I'll tell you why I don't like it. For me, these things are just guilty consciences. That's what they are. It's the guilty conscience of a community of elders that basically failed to incorporate them in normal acts of worship. If they were doing it right, they would have made them feel equal in normal acts of worship. Because they don't, they put on all this yani PlayStation bakwas and let's do camps and let's do pizza and whatever, whatnot, because they don't make them feel equal in a normal thing. For me, it's like the father who beats his children. Yani, you know, beats his children. Why? Because he's failed at parenting and it's just a valve. You know, let me just beat them. So there's a lot there to reflect upon. All of these are factors. So in end, because it is now time for salah, when we talk about straightening the row and the line, let me summarize what the rules are in one minute. It is obligatory to straighten the row. The row must be straight. Number two, the straightening of the row starts from the back, your heel. It's your heel which must be on the line, not your front toes or anything else. It doesn't matter if you're especially big fat, you've got big stomach, or you got a big back, the heels is what establishes the row. Number three, chairs, everything else, they should be in line so that a person 
and the chair beginning is online with the feet. The chair should not go back and affect the line at the back, even if that means you standing forward. Number four, it is a sunnah for the imam to command the people to straighten the rows. The Prophet ﷺ would go up and down the rows. As we heard, he would push the chest of the people back. You go back, please. You go back. He would command Umar and Bilal to go up and down the second line and the third line. And until he got the okay from them, they would give him the thumbs up. The line is straight. The line is straight. Then he would then establish the prayer. It didn't matter. Five minutes has been taken. Iqam has already been given. He would never start the prayer until the lines are all straight. He would say to all of the people, you will definitely straighten the line or Allah will deviate between your hearts. From the straightening of the lines that people must be close. The shoulders must touch. You don't have to have the feet touching and it shouldn't be all of one standing on one another and all this nonsense. But general touching is okay or a small gap as long as there's no gaps between the shoulders. The lines should be equal in their length. The imam should not be standing far ahead. Everything should be equal. And the women should be as far back and separate as possible from the men. And children should be wherever they come to. If they are at the front, if they are at the back, they should remain with their mas'ul uh, people, uh, the ones who are responsible for them. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. Wa astaghfirukallahumma wa atubu ilayka. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.